when I was not a Christian, somebody gave me a book. And it was a book that had a riveting story with a riveting title. The title of the book was called The Satan Seller. And it was a story of a man who used to worship Satan, um, but saw in two men, when he was in the military, he saw two men who, who used to persecute, who used to ridicule for their faith. He saw one day just the light of Christ on these two men's faces. And it was that experience of seeing this unusual light of Christ that brought him to faith. And in my own life, um, after reading that, and um, once I got past the nightmare of his, his description of worshiping Satan, um, I remember an old friend of mine who I knew before I came to faith in Christ, who I shared the last time, who led me to Christ. That's what I saw in his face. It was as though God reminded me of that story. And stories grip us. And the Gospels tell us stories of God at work in the lives of those who are lost. Luke's Gospel provides for us vivid imagery as he tells story after story of God's saving grace in Christ. All the Gospels tell stories of God's love for the poor, God's love for the needy, God's love for the unworthy, God's love for the undeserving, God's love for the outcast, God's love for the sinner. And these are stories of God's love and God's mercy and God's forgiveness and stories that of God's forgiveness extended to those who are, in, who are desperate. And those stories, they continue to this day, not just gospel history, but in the lives of, of many of you, if not all of you, sitting here. And in Luke 19, 1 through 10, there is one story in particular that profoundly demonstrates God's love for the lost and for the lonely and for broken humanity who is trapped in their sin. So if you would turn to Luke's gospel, turn to chapter 19. And read along with me. Luke writes, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord. The half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Well, Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the 
the privilege of being able to gather together still, even in the elements that we're experiencing. Lord, we're grateful because you are present among us. You are present in your word. You are present in your people. You are present among us to speak to us today, to encourage us today, to equip us today, to exhort us today. And may you do that for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, this story in Luke is the climax of Jesus' journey and his teaching. It's the message of Luke's gospel. It's the hinge verse of Luke's gospel. And it's such a compelling story how Jesus came to seek and to save the lost that Luke begins in verse 2 with, And behold, and behold, he wants the reader to see what he sees what Zacchaeus sees. He wants the reader to see, and behold, this Jesus has come. This Son of God, this God made flesh, this God who became man. He wants us to see this. He wants to capture our attention. And so he opens with behold, and he draws our eyes towards this profound gospel encounter with the living Savior who is saving because he cares for sinners. He cares for the lost. He cares for the outcasts. He cares for the marginalized. He cares for the despised, which describes this man named Zacchaeus. It's why Jesus came. And although it's a fascinating story about Jesus, in reality, this story is all about the Savior. Luke wants us to marvel at Jesus. Yeah, we, we learn about Zacchaeus here, but he wants us to marvel at Jesus, at Jesus' kindness, at Jesus' grace, at Jesus' power. Behold, look, he came. Look at what he does. Look at what will happen to him for our sake and most importantly, he wants us to see, and that's two points this morning. The first one is how passionate a Savior Jesus is. How passionate a Savior he is. In Luke 9.51, Jesus, Luke describes Jesus, he set his face towards Jerusalem, where he later tells his disciples of his suffering and his crucifixion and his death, the death that awaits him. Zacchaeus' story is a culmination of exactly why Jesus came and why he must go to Jerusalem. In Luke 17, 11, it records that Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem, which is directly south from where he presently was in Luke 17. But along the way, he makes this detour in his journey, and he goes through Jericho, which is not directly south, but he goes out of his way to make his way to Jericho. And then Luke 15 tells us why. Why did Jesus go? And we read in Luke 15 where Jesus has been eating with tax gatherers and he's been eating with sinners. And because of this, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and others are grumbling and murmuring against him. They, they, they had the thought, I'd never hang out with somebody like these kinds of people with tax gatherers and sinners. They can't understand why he does this. It's because they don't understand why Jesus came. And in response to their ignorance and sinful murmuring, murmuring Jesus 
is going to tell them some parables. Now, you know what? We might think the same way at times. I'd never hang out with liberals, progressives, those who claim to be transgender, someone who says they are gay, a Democrat of all things. I'd never hang out with people like that. Who's on your I won't hang out with list? Jesus didn't have one because he came for us all. And in response to their ignorance and sinful mur murmuring, he tells the crowd three parables. The first one is the story of the lost sheep. The second one is the story of the lost coin. And the third one is the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. These are stories not just about what was lost, but more importantly about the one who was seeking those that were lost. He was really telling stories about himself. These parables are about how Jesus passionately feels about those he is seeking and saving, those who are lost in their sin. In these parables, Jesus is the true shepherd who goes after the one lost sheep. Jesus is the woman who searches passionately for the one lost coin. Jesus is the father who looks for the one, the prodigal son, the lost son. That's his father's heart towards those who need to be saved. Brothers and sisters, those lost items are you and me. You and I were a lost sheep. You and I were a lost coin. You and I were a lost son or daughter. We're all like this. And it is you and me who he passionately and wholeheartedly came searching for. A few years ago when we had a family vacation at the beach, some of you know this story, my granddaughter Kate, who's now 11, who was probably eight, seven, eight at the time. She is profoundly autistic. She doesn't speak. Um, she, um, 11 years old, still not potty trained. And at the beach, Kate, somebody left the door open. Kate got out. We spent about 30 minutes running up and down streets looking for Kate. If you've ever misplaced a child, if you've ever had a child disappear on you at the store, if you've ever had a child disappear on you at the house, you, you know the panic that you feel. You know the, the fear that comes into your heart. You, you have the worst ideas of what could happen to them. It's, and with, it's with a passion that you go searching for that child. And it was that kind of passion that made us run out in the streets of Destin, Florida, screaming Kate's name and looking throughout the neighborhood. It's that kind of passion that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. It's that kind of passion that's behind the, the shepherd going after the one lost sheep. It's that kind of passion that has the shepherd going after the one lost coin. It's that kind of passion that has the shepherd going after the son or the daughter he's created who are missing. Jesus came seeking Zacchaeus because as Paul writes in 1 Timothy, Timothy 2, 3, God desires, God desires all men to come to a saving knowledge of the truth. 
And in his seeking, he finds Zacchaeus. He comes, he goes to Jericho, he goes out of his way, and he finds Zacchaeus, this tax collector. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was a, a tax farmer. In other words, he had a host of, of tax collectors underneath of him, and he would get a percentage of all that they gathered. And that's why he was such a rich man. And, and he took advantage of people, and he stole from people. And so here he is. Here's this. He's, he's an IRS agent. And this IRS agent is... It, he, he's found in a tree. And that's, who, that's where Jesus finds him. And in Luke, you know, again in Luke 18, Jesus tells his disciple, we're going to Jerusalem. But, but he detours because he remains undeterred in his mission, in his appointment with the cross. He remains undeterred, but his detour is a part of that mission. And it, it demonstrates the reason for the cross as, as Jesus passionately seeks after, after Zacchaeus. And when Jesus came to the place, verse 5, he looked up. He looked up. Now, there's a crowd around Jesus. And no doubt, probably some young kids climbed that sycamore tree there was, it was filled with people wanting to see because the miracles were well known. It was well known that he had eaten with tax gatherers and sinners. And so he looks up and he spots, he sees the one man he came for, Zacchaeus. His going to Jericho was not random. And Christ finding you, seeking you, saving you was not random either. He came for a purpose. He knew exactly he was, who he was coming for. And he knew Zacchaeus by name. He says, Zacchaeus, just as he called you by name when he came seeking you. And because of his passion, Jesus finds what he is seeking. He's passionate because he knows Zacchaeus by name, because he created Zacchaeus, and he knew you by name. He knows you by name because he created you. That's the passion of the Savior. That's how passionate Jesus is in seeking after the lost. But not only is he passionate about seeking after the lost, he is powerful as a Savior. He is powerful in saving the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. In 3 and 4, what Zacchaeus didn't know is that Jesus came seeking because God had already been at work in Zacchaeus' heart. How did this tax collector who was so rich, making so much money, doing so well, what, what led him to climb a tree? What led him to want to see and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. What was it about Jesus that drew him? Maybe he heard that Jesus liked tax collectors because there was one named Matthew that was one of Jesus' disciples. Maybe he knew there was kindness because you understand Zacchaeus, he, there's, a, there's a song that the the Scots sing, and it's about Zacchaeus, and they call him a wee little man. He's a wee little guy, and that's why he has to climb a tree. But I guarantee you, he was, 
despised and he was hated as we see those who murmured against him. And so if he tried to make his way through the crowd, can you imagine those elbowing him, those pushing him aside, saying, no, 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 we're not letting you in. And that's why he climbs a tree. God is at work in this man's heart. He most likely heard about the kindness Jesus had towards Matthew. And so he climbs a tree to behold, to behold the Savior. He didn't know that God was drawing him. And I can pretty much guarantee you, not one of us here knew when God was drawing us. But he was. In his sovereign grace, in his loving grace, in his powerful grace, grace. He began working on our hearts, drawing us just as he did. In John 6, John writes, no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. And that is what is happening here. Jesus knew this was not a futile enterprise to seek after Zacchaeus because he knew his father was powerfully and quietly already working in Zacchaeus's heart. J.I. Packer says this, he says, were it not for the sovereign grace of God, evangelism would be the most futile and useless enterprise that the world has ever seen. And there would be no more complete waste of time under the sun than to preach the Christian gospel. But there's nothing that stands in the way of God's irresistible grace in salvation. And that's what is happening here. Now, to his disciples, Zacchaeus, to Jesus' disciples, Zacchaeus' story is a huge and perplexing surprise. It was a surprise to everyone in the crowd who despised this little tax, collect tax collector. Logically, he shouldn't be saved. Logically, Jesus said it was actually impossible for him to be saved. He's a traitor, he's a thief, he's greedy, he's a self-serving man who cares little for others, and most importantly, he's a rich man, and rich men do not get saved. If you look just in a little one chapter earlier in Luke 18, a ruler comes to Jesus. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And honor your mother and father. And the young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, well, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come. Follow me. When the young man heard these things, he went away very sad, for he was extremely rich. Now Jesus, seeing how he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? If a rich man can't be saved, can anybody be saved? But Jesus responds, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Here, 
in this story, the story of Zacchaeus, the disciples are watching and they're seeing the camel go through the eye of a needle. They're seeing a rich man come to faith, come to be saved for salvation, to come to his life. And undoubtedly, they are shocked. The rich young ruler, if it's impossible for him to be saved, who could be saved? Well, this shows us how powerful a Savior Jesus is. J.C. Ryle said in his commentary, it is in the reading of Zacchaeus' story that we see miraculously the camel passing through the eye of the needle. See how powerful he is to save? Now, listen, Zacchaeus was not saved because he climbed a tree, and he was not saved because he shared a meal with Jesus, and he was not saved because he gave all his money back to the poor. He was saved because, as 19.10 tells us, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Listen, Zacchaeus' story, brothers and sisters, tells us that there is no one beyond God's power to save. Whoever it is you are thinking about right now that you think would never come to faith in Christ, they are not beyond God's power to save. I remember a girl coming to me after I had become a Christian, become a pastor. She came to me. She knew me in high school. She said, you, Larry, are the last person in the world I thought could ever come to faith in Christ. I, I understood why. But I was as well a camel going through the eye of a needle. And so are you. So are you. Listen, there are times I have thought I can't imagine that person ever coming to faith in Christ because I, their sinful heart seemed much greater than the power of the gospel. But the power of the gospel leads to salvation. The power of Christ here, he brought a camel through the eye of a needle. And he does it again and again. And it is why, brothers and sisters, we share the gospel. It's why we tell people this story. It's why we go out. It's why we share our lives. Whether we think they're the last person in the world that could be saved, or we think they're close, it doesn't matter. God is the one who saves them. The power of the gospel is that it frees sinners from the power and slavery of sin, and it rescues them from the ultimate penalty of death. The idol of Zacchaeus' money was no match for the power of the cross. No match. There is no sin that's, that's a match for the power of the cross. Every sin, no matter how ugly, how wicked, or how powerful, can ever stand before the death of Christ and his saving work at Calvary. Jesus' sacrifice and suffering and death on the cross put to death the power of sin and death for all who trust in him. And God is at work in their lives. God is doing it. We can always trust the gospel because it powerfully works even when we are weak in our gospel presentation, even when we don't have exactly the right words to say, even when we're not sure what to say, even when we mess up what we say, the power of the gospel saves lives. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, I've often been surprised at the mercy of God to myself. Now, I identify very much with this next 
sentence. Poor sermons of mine that I could cry over when I get home have led scores to the cross and ordinary conversations, mere chance sentences as men call them, have nevertheless been as winged arrows from God and have pierced men's hearts and laid them wounded at Jesus' feet. I've often lifted up my hands in astonishment and said, how can God bless such feeble instrumentality? Oh, don't we all feel that way at times? Listen, it's not our faithfulness. It's not our our talent. I mean, it's our faithfulness that's most important to God in sharing the gospel. It's not how well you do it. It's just being faithful. God, God blesses our feeble instrumentality. No matter how feeble we feel, he blesses it, whether it's with our neighbor, our coworker, our family member, our friends, even strangers we meet on the way. Listen. Here's here's the application for this message. You and I never know that the person we're talking to might very well be climbing a tree to take a look. We don't know that. We should assume it so that we can share the wonderful riches of grace that we have discovered, we've found. We, we were found in Christ. Father, thank you for your word that just enlightens us and encourages us and reminds us of how passionately you came after us and how powerfully you saved us and how deeply you love us. Lord, may, may that love be expressed to one another and to the world around us, that that those who are lost may see the Savior, may behold the Savior, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.